Justin Barclay in for Glenn today on the Glenn Beck program. We've got a we got a big one lined up for you. Normally this time of year, everything just sort of screeches to a halt. Tis the season. But no, no, they're even working on Capitol Hill today. That have a vote happening in the House, the $1.7 trillion pork-filled omnibus package. Uh, we'll talk about that. The Kerry Lake trial, and yes, SBF. In jail, now out of jail. The crypto comment. More on all of it coming up this morning. Justin Barkley and for Beck. Back after this. Justin Barclay and for Glenn Beck today in the Glenn Beck program. You connect with me at Justin Barclay, B-A-R-C-L-A-Y. Dot com. Send me a message there. Love to hear from you. You know, it's, it's kind of Friday going into the Christmas holiday. I think it'd be good to take a few calls today and hear from you, particularly among this uh, the, the different topics. The $1.7 trillion pork stuff omnibus bill that they have uh, they voted on in the Senate to pass. That goes to the House today. They're still working up until the deadline. They'll get that passed, I'm sure. And then... And then all the fun begins. But here's the number, 888-727-BECK. That's 888-727-BECK. If you want to join the program, love to hear from you. We'll, we'll chat as things uh, as move forward here in the program. I just wanted to kind of break down for you so you can kind of understand what is in this. And there's more. We talked a bit about this yesterday, and we've been talking about it. Glenn's been talking about it. Um, I, I know... It's it's hard to understand. I just want to give you a picture, though. When you think of a trillion dollars, because we get into numbers like this. And we'll talk more about this later in the hour. But you get into numbers like this, and you just kind of lose track of how much a trillion actually is. Somebody called the other day and gave, gave me the breakdown. I said, look, you know, it's, it's, it's unimaginable. It's hard to think about, but a trillion dollars... If, if you're going to count to a trillion, like a trillion seconds, <laughs> you just started counting. A trillion seconds from here on out. It would take 37,000 years to get there. A trillion. So that's how much money, again, we're just setting off on. You know, the, sure, this won't have any effect on uh, inflation. <sighs> I'm sure it won't... Uh, it's you know no of course not it can couldn't possibly have any impact on the cost of everything as we move forward yes 
that's uh, that's on the agenda. We'll talk about that today. And I don't know if you saw, but SPF was arrested. He was brought into the country, and now SPF has been let. Well, he's been freed. Sam Bankman freed has been freed, and he is out. And I guess that was this big story about how much bail two hundred fifty million dollars, and rightfully so. People started questioning. There's that much money out there. I thought he lost it all. Where is he going to get that much money? Well, the the truth behind that whole ordeal and what actually took place is something altogether. Uh, different. It, it turns out he just gets to hang out, probably in his PJs, very similarly to um, what Zelensky did when he came in. <laughs> when he came into Congress, picking up some money. Uh, yeah, no, he gets, gets gets to hang in his PJs at his parents' house, apparently until the the uh, trial takes place. So that's that's what we got to look forward to. Day two of the Kerry Lake trial has wrapped up, and the Kerry Lake trial down in Arizona. Some startling things that come out of it. She gave a statement yesterday outside of the courthouse. Two quick statement. I am so incredibly proud of our amazing attorneys and staff that put this amazing case together, historic case. We proved without a shadow of a doubt that there was malicious intent that caused disruption so great it changed the results of the election. I'm incredibly proud of, of both Brian Blem and Kurt Olson who led up this legal team. We provided expert testimony. We provided experts. The other side brought in activists to try to save face. They admitted that they've known about these ballot problems. They're ballot problems. Now they're trying to say that it's been going on for three elections. Our mm. elections are a mess in this country. And I am so happy to stand up and say, no longer will we as Americans put up with this. We demand fair, honest, transparent elections, and we will get them. And I pray so hard for this judge. I think that he really took in all of that information. I think he listened very closely to what happened. Mm. And I am fighting for the people of Arizona, but not just for the people of Arizona. I'm fighting for the people of this country and for our future. If we don't have honest elections where we decide who represents us, then we don't have a country anymore. And you know, the, you know, the defendants, their attorney said it in his closing in his closing statement, he said, we choose our rulers. Isn't that telling? This was a selection, not an election. And we in America choose who represents us. And we will restore honest elections. And I will never stop fighting. I will never stop fighting. So thank you. There she is, Carrie Lake. Um, and boy, I can't imagine. I can't imagine what, uh, <laughs> what she must be thinking about going through right now. There's a lot on the line down in Arizona. Who knows how that that's going to play out waiting. It's all of the judge now waiting. But some of the headlines, a day two now wrapped, the trial wrapped all together. This was a quick try to get it out, try to get it done as quickly as possible. But here's some of the headlines. Just to think about this, what was actually happening down in Arizona. And although we kind of lose track of some of these things because we, we get wrapped up in the day-to-day. The -day, but it could not be by accident one of the experts testifying about the key problem, 42% of ballots cause chaos. And one of the things that I saw, the numbers are right here. They allowed Kerry Lake's people, the judge allowed, because this is, this is Arizona law, in fact. They allow them to take a look at the ballots. They might have questions about these things. They allow them to go in and take a look. They get 15 now, that's not a big sample size, but, you know, folks are saying, wait a minute, 15, that's not enough. 
But even in the 15, they found, and this is something, in the ones they looked at, particularly, I believe it's Maricopa County, the, the one in question. But the ones they looked at, they found 14 of the 15. 14 of the 15 had issues. Now, what are the issues? M mainly that this ballot... 20-inch paper, but the image of the ballot projected onto the paper, that's what happens when you make a copy or something. That's You, you put an image on a piece of paper. No matter if you're printing something at your house or, or, or wherever uh, this might be. But the 19-inch the, uh, the, the, the image projected on a 20-inch piece of paper was the issue. That was the problem, and apparently... Um, that's what caused all the issues in the printer. And when they went to go scan the ballots through the uh, the system, when the people who had voted, they had filled out their bubbles and everything, they go scan it through, they kept getting rejected. This is in Maricopa County, day of voting. It only happened day of vote. Didn't happen any other time. Didn't happen anywhere else. Maricopa County, thousands of people disenfranchised, Thousands of people sent, wondering that day, whether or not, sent home wondering whether or not uh, their, their vote is, is even going to count. Whether or not it even counted at all. And they said, oh, no, just go ahead and put everything, put everything in this, um, in this drop box here. You know, they called it, drop, was it box three or whatever they called it? No, oh, put everything in the box here. You'll be, everything will be fine. And people walked out wondering, what in the world happened? Does does my vote does my vote even count? Folks disenfranchised, and in fact, uh, who knows the truth on that? And yet, we learned some startling things in the trials. You just heard her mention this is an issue they've known about. Now, here's a really particularly sticky, I would think, legal issue for Katie Hobbs that's that's been revealed here. Now, I don't know how much traction this will get. Abe Hamaday, which is the uh, the attorney, the man running for attorney general, he also got to go to trial, waiting for the results of that trial. Um, but this ought to be looked at. Maybe even the sitting attorney general. Brnovich could look into this as well because there is a there's a sticky legal situation here. Let me tell you what it is. We'll get into all of that coming up in just a moment. You can join the Glenn Beck program anytime. Triple eight seven two seven Beck B E C K. What what should happen now that we've got the we've heard from the experts, we've heard the testimony, we found out that there were problems. What should happen? Do they need a new election? Do you just insert her in? I don't know if there's if there's I don't know what the legal process would be. I don't think that. That would be part of it, but what what do you do now that you've got all this information? Triple eight seven two seven back B E C K back after this on the Glenn Beck program. Sparkly in for Beck today, Justin Barkley in the Glenn Beck program. Yeah, we're following the storm, the weather, and all of this snow apocalypse. We'll talk about that, I'm sure. At some point today, um, but I will tell you, it's wild because this uh, global warming, it's just had the complete opposite effect. We're, still, we're under a blizzard warning. We're broadcasting to you live from in West Michigan, Grand Rapids, 
high atop, uh, and and right now it, it's wide out outside my windows. It's completely wide out. Seven degrees, I think, is the temps. Even lower in some places to the south of us, which is wild. Uh, but this thing is causing some issues for a lot of folks traveling. So we'll talk about that coming up here in just a little bit. But, uh, boy, the, the climate change. What is it now? Is it climate change? Is that what it is officially? It's a global warming. It can't be global warming anymore. This certainly isn't warm. <laughs> it's not warm here anyway. I can tell you that much. And essentially, this is winter. We have this every year. Hey, uh, so back down to Arizona. 42% of ballots causing chaos, a key issue, they said, uh, amongst the 113 examined, 48 of them had this problem, 19-inch ballots produced on 20-inch paper. That was the problem. Now, here's the big issue, and this may be a legal issue for Katie Hobbs, who was the Secretary of State, oversaw her own election to the governor in Arizona. Nothing to see here, folks. <laughs> you know, this should never be even an appearance of impropriety in any of these elections, in any of these situations. There should never even be an, an appearance of it. And yet that that appears it's all we have these days. You know, they got questions. Anytime you got questions about something, you're called crazy. And the FBI now calling people conspiracy theorists when you're looking at the, the Twitter files, the things that are dumped out. Well, I, I, I digress. But this is what we're, we're seeing in every story we come across these days. But Katie Hobbs might be in a problem. She might be in a bit of a pickle. Here's why. She certified this election. Then you say, well, what's, what's the problem with that? She certified it. Well, the issue isn't just that she certified her own election that she oversaw, but she certified it, and apparently what just came out in this trial, and we know this now, is that she certified it knowing that this issue existed. And it was still under investigation. Maricopa County still investigating. In fact, I don't know that we were supposed to find that out. I don't know that anybody was supposed to know what exactly happened with these ballots. And here's the other thing, folks. You've got to realize this. In this Cary Lake trial down in Arizona, we would have never known. You would have run around saying, well, that's, you know, that's odd that all these people had their Ballots rejected, all these people, they went to go vote, and then it went through the scanner, and it would pop out, and they don't know whether their vote counted. You said, well, that's a little, yeah, certainly that's a little strange. Something must have gone on, but you know, you might have said, it's just a glitch. It's just a glitch. That's all that is. There's nothing, nothing to see here. There's just a little glitch, or you might have just kind of shrugged it off. Could have, anyway. But turns out, the only reason we find out what caused that glitch is because this thing went to trial, and they got to inspect the ballots, and they actually found out what was happening behind the scenes. Now, your question, and the same as mine, and I understand that, I feel the same way. So, okay, now we know this. What happens next? Well, Katie Hobbs knowingly certified an election that uh, that had issues. Any legal recourse for that? What should happen? Not just in this case, but in all the cases, when we look at some of the uh, 
some of the problems that we continue to see. In New York, let's go. I think it's Mark on the phone. 888-727-BECK. Back. I'm going to try and work as many phone calls as I can in today. Just, you know, tis the, tis the season. Mark in New York. Mark, how are you? Good. How are you doing? Good. So election issues. Whether you want to call it uh, fraud, what do you, whatever you want to call it, now we know. We know for a fact at least one of the problems in Arizona. What should happen here? Um, I don't really know, but I know that I live in upstate New York, a very small town, and we had the same thing happening in our very small town. It was my first time voting, so I was kind of just getting used to everything. But walking in, I heard, I heard a couple old-timers kind of being like, how many times did your thing try to go through? And the guy said four times. And I was like, what are these guys even talking about, you know? So I stood in line, I get to the thing, it's clearly a strong, it's a black box, a very strong black box with a lock on it, Scantron. The lady goes, all right, put your vote in, you know, Scantron, she goes in, spits it out. Try again, put it in, spits it out. She goes, hand me that, we'll count that by hand later. It goes behind the desk in a box, and that's, that was it. That was it. I mean, this is not something I'm making up. This is literally in small town, rural, upstate New York, and I was kind of like, I wanted to ask this lady, like, how do I know what you're doing with this vote? Like, this machine here is clearly made to make sure my vote goes and does whatever it's supposed to be doing. It's locked. It's solid. And now you want me to just hand it to you? Like, and, and, I and, thought it was a joke. And, 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 you know, it's interesting you bring this up because you're seeing it in, in New York. So this very similar could happen all over. But let me ask you this, Mark. I mean, just personally for you, did that, did that, like, Restore your confidence in the system. Did that did that do anything to make you feel better that your vote was going to be counted and that democracy was alive and well? What was it? What did that do for you? How did that make you feel? Uh, honestly, because it was also my first time voting, I was uh, yeah, I was kind of shocked. I mean, if if, it, if the box, if the machine I was putting it in wasn't so clearly made to be like unbreakable, you know what I mean? To go from this machine that's made to take this ballot and, you know, make sure nobody can tamper with it to handing it to a woman I've never seen before to go behind the desk. <laughs> I mean, it's, it was like, I thought it was like a game show or something. It was like someone was going to come out and be like, oh, yeah. I was just kidding. You, know, you got, you got punked. Weird. You got punked. You're on yeah, candid camera. Bizarre. New York, New York was extremely close for the first time in how long. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if this happened to how many people in upstate New York, just in small towns dotted around upstate New York, I mean, I'm not some voter fraud conspiracy guy, whatever you want to call it. When things are not right, things are not right. Like, Mark, I appreciate the phone call. You're absolutely right. We've got to get this back on track because if we don't stop this, if we don't solve this issue, what's the point? I've heard so many people ask, like, what's the point? Well, I'll give you a little more concept. we got to continue to to fight the fight, folks. We can't give up. But at the same time, we've got to solve these problems, and we've got to solve them for good. You're absolutely right. You know, too many people have died. Too much blood has been spilled to make sure that this process works safely, securely, and that it works with integrity. Uh, speaking of integrity, <laughs> the Senate voted. I know, it's hard. I shouldn't laugh. But the Senate voted to pass that $1.7 trillion omnibus. Congress gets it. The House gets it. Later today, we'll talk about that, what's inside of it, and more. All coming up in moments in the Glenn Beck Program. The Glenn Beck Program.
Glenn for Beck. It's Justin Barclay now on the Glenn Beck program. You can connect with me anytime you'd like at Justin Barclay, B-A-R-C-L-A-Y.com. Find out how we can stay in touch there. And send me a message. Love to hear from you. Taking several calls today, too, because, you know, it's the last day before Christmas. I want to make sure we we end with a bang. 888-727-BECK, B-E-C-K. Say it at 8727-BECK. We're talking the uh, snow. We're talking the snowmageddon, snowpocalypse. And uh, it is kind of nasty in some places, just looking and hearing some of the temps around here and looking at some of the snow. Not as bad as what we thought we were going to get here or that they told us what we were going to get. But, of course, uh, keep an eye on that for you today. It's causing travel issues all over. And... Um, I know that it will not be causing travel issues for uh, those in Congress who are voting today in the House. <laughs> They're already there. Uh, Congressman Bill Heisinger from Michigan joins us now. Uh, Congressman, you get the Senate just passed this $1.7 trillion omnibus bill. It is just a pork filled. Uh, I, I, I just I, look at it. There's a technical term out here, Justin. We yeah. call them turd burgers. Uh, that's a big, giant, massive turd burger. Yeah. Well, uh, apparently it's also stuffed with uh, lobster because there's money in here yeah. for favorite <laughs> lobster groups, and uh, and yeah, uh, it's it, not just it's pork. A salmon lobster roll. I don't know. It's uh, yeah, salmon's in there like forty-seven different times, oh, and uh, funded uh, the three million dollars for a bee-friendly uh, highway system. <sighs> uh, I'm all about uh, you know the uh, pollination, and we've had issues with bees, but how in the world do you make a bee-friendly highway system? I, I just it's 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 just this kind of stuff. And there's earmarks, chock full of earmarks. Um, and and here's sort of the insult to injury, right? Um, so constitutionally, all these spending bills have to originate in the House. Um, we're not even pretending to do appropriations processes anymore. And we're just sending these big uh, uh, <laughs> beginnings of turd burgers over, over mm-hmm. to the Senate. Mm-hmm. Uh, they add in their, uh, their spices and secret sauce and earmarks and all the other good stuff. And then they drop it back in our lap uh, with no ability to amend it, review it, any, anything. So the Senate left. They're mm-hmm. all gone. Um, those of us that are here not voting by proxy, by the way, it is almost half of the U.S. House is voting by proxy. So they're not here. Wow. I don't believe it's legal or constitutional. So I am here. I uh, have not uh, voted proxy once in this entire uh, uh, time that uh, Pelosi has uh, been do- using this uh, as a tool, really, for control. And, um, uh, you know, here we are. And uh, this is this is the worst parts of how this system is is broken is being uh, shown to to the folks. All right, so I got to ask you, Congressman Bill Heisinger, you guys are going to vote. What time does this vote happen today? Uh, good question. Uh, Rules committee is going to be going in at ten o'clock. They're supposedly doing an expedited. Uh, uh, rule committee. And so each bill that comes to the floor has to have a rule. Can you amend it? Can you not amend it? Time for debate, all those things. So we're going to have our first vote probably somewhere er at no earlier than 1030, probably more like 11. Um, And then there will be either an hour or maybe two hours of debate um, on this uh, on this omnibus bill. And then uh, some procedural votes that are going to be happening. So it'll probably be somewhere between noon and two o'clock today. Uh, and then, uh, then uh, I'm trying to get back to Michigan, uh, see my family. So 
I rented a uh, Ram uh, uh, pickup, four wheel <laughs> drive, and uh, I'm I'm driving home because all the flights are getting canceled. Well, good luck to you and God bless because uh, it's going to be a fun drive, that's for sure. But you know, I still think it'd probably be uh, a lot uh, easier than dealing with what you have to deal with in this vote today. Here's here's some of the statistics of what we're looking at. over a, over a hundred billion dollars after this thing gets passed on uh, spent on the Ukraine war once this whole thing goes through. And, uh, you know, we can talk about whether or not, you know, we should be uh, fighting this fight and how much money we should be spending. And, and uh, you know, Zelensky came over in his PJs the other day and spoke to you guys in Congress, which is just crazy to me. Uh, on the floor of the house that a guy is in a sweatshirt. I mean, I've never seen anything like this. I don't know if you want to comment on that or not, but. Yeah. Well, we're not allowed to go uh, onto the House floor dressed like that. It, it, the, the, the rules require us to be in a coat and tie. And uh, mm-hmm. it, it, there, there was actually a fair amount of, uh, you know, not to get too petty, but it was like, okay, dude, you couldn't, you couldn't put a tie on. Yeah. Uh, and I understand it's, it's about the optics and he's wanting to look like he, he's in the middle of a siege. And all yeah, but that's things, the but problem. That's, that's the problem yeah. that this is all optics. And the American people are seeing through this yeah. stuff, spending $100 billion in Ukraine and won't spend a penny to secure our border. I mean, this we've, yeah. we've folks have had it. Yeah. Well, and that's, and that's, you know, again, going back to this Omni, that's, that's exactly right. You know, we are, we are spending uh, money in the middle East uh, for border security. We're spending it around the world, but we will not allow uh, those uh, resources to be used on our own Southern border. And uh, it's a crisis. I mean, there, there is no other word that you can use other than absolute crisis and disaster uh, with what's happening. And it's going to get worse if the courts don't uh, keep Title 42 in place. I mean, and we, we know that there's a record number of, uh, of, of crossings that have happened uh, at the southern border. Interestingly enough, uh, CBP has not uh, released the November numbers yet. We're 23 days into uh, into December. They won't release the November numbers. Um, and it's not because they don't have them. It's because uh, they're political and they don't yeah. want this to look worse than what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and it's, it, it, if we don't have the border integrity, all right, knowing who and what is coming across our border, yeah. um, that uh, that is a recipe for disaster. And uh, and this administration is standing by, uh, just encouraging it. Justin Barkley, and for Glenn Beck today on the Glenn Beck program, we're talking with Congressman Bill Heisinger out of uh, West Michigan, and he'll be there voting on the floor today. And I didn't get your answer. Uh, you're you're a no on this uh, omnibus. Uh, I'm a hell no. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought, I thought I wanted to make that clear. I thought that's, yeah, uh, that's yeah, what the answer was. Yeah. Underline double exclamation mark. No. <laughs> so, and, and one of the things that I think a lot of us have frustration is why didn't they just let this slide so that when Republicans take over here, uh, in January, we could, we could work it out and have a little more leverage to do some of the things that need to be done, uh, particularly when it comes to the border, et cetera. One of the things I know folks want to see is oversight on a lot of these issues. Hey, the FBI, man, and, and what we're hearing now, what's happening with Twitter and the statement the FBI put out the other day about conspiracy theorists. No, we have the emails. Their own people are saying this. Yeah, uh, Congressman Heisman, I mean, this, 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 I don't know, how do we come back from this? Yeah, well, uh, you know, look, this is J. Edgar Hoover type stuff, right? I, I mean, th- this, you have to be 
scratching your head if you're a a, a regular American uh, looking at this and just even sort of casually paying attention to what uh, to what is going on. And you have to wonder how the how these uh, governmental agencies have gotten so out of control and have uh, have really put our own constitutional uh, rights and privileges uh, uh, under attack. And, uh, and and it's not acceptable. Now, you know, one of the one of the perverse elements of uh, passing this uh, omnibus this way, by the way, it should have been done. I mean, this this was uh, this is continuing funding for this current fiscal year, which started October 1st. So we should have had this all wrapped up in September. Um, uh, but nonetheless, uh, here's what it uh, here's what uh, funding all these governmental agencies through the remainder of this fiscal year through September uh, means they don't have to come to Congress. Uh, for our oversight requests, right? Mm-hmm. They've got their funding for the year. Uh, there's not going to be any pressure on that. So we're going to have to figure out how we apply that pressure properly and constitutionally as we are supposed to, um, uh, to make sure that we've got those answers. And so yeah. whether it's the FBI or, or a lot of the work that I do uh, is with the Securities and Exchange Commission and their ESG agenda, uh, that environmental, social, and governance uh, uh, garbage that they are trying to force uh, not only onto publicly traded companies, but to privately held companies uh, as well. And what what things like that mean for our uh, economy moving forward. It, it, so there's uh, there's a lot of very, very serious issues that we have to tackle. Uh, the, the power of the purse is uh, one of the main tools that uh, that Congress has. We have abdicated and, and given that up uh, for decades, frankly, now, and it's just gotten worse. And uh, we've got to restore that. Congressman Bill Heisinger, let me ask you before you go, you're, you're also going to be overseeing some of this. This SBF FTX thing. Yeah. Sam Bankman freed has been freed. Basically, this is a $250 million bail. They got this guy back in the U.S. But, the, but, but that's not really the story. The truth is he's going to go hang out at his mom and dad's $4 million home, and they put some of the uh, equity of that thing uh, up, and that's how he got it. He didn't, didn't have to... To pay two hundred fifty million dollars, this guy's going to be hanging out in his flip flops. Probably got his uh, Zelensky uh, uh, sweatshirt on, or, or I, I don't know what he's. But he's going to be in his PJs, you know, just having a good time. Um, this is this is wild. Yeah, it, it is, and and you know, look, this is the, uh, the the worst parts of Enron's business practices, uh, along with Bernie Madoff. Uh, and this is just outright fraud. And uh, the the notion that uh, these these really kids had any business running these multi billion dollar inter- multinational mm-hmm. companies uh, is ridiculous. They and used QuickBooks for their uh... it, it, oh, yeah <laughs> QuickBooks to keep track of everything. Yeah, <laughs> which is a, which is a decent program. I mean, you know, they just don't want to use it for billion dollar companies. You know, exactly. And multinational, uh, you know, uh, international trades going on and. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, um, the institutional investors who supposedly are very savvy investors uh, got uh, got sucked into this. They mm-hmm. found a, a politically progressive, very smart uh, entrepreneur who is going to, quote unquote, reimagine capitalism and uh, and all while making them gobs of money. Yeah. Well, and, and, they, uh, and they also they, sent they half of it back to Maxine Waters and the rest of them. I mean, they all took the money, too, didn't they? And uh, that that was uh, that was uh, that was a the huge part of it is uh, the, his growing influence that was here in Washington. So whether they were on Wall Street or whether they were in Silicon Valley or whether they were here in Washington D.C., 
uh, people were just fawning over this guy. I, and, uh, and, 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 and obviously it, it unraveled, and I'm glad it did. It's unthinkable. I appreciate you taking the time to talk with us. I uh, appreciate you giving us the answer on your hell no vote. We appreciate that as well. Uh, Congressman Bill Heisiger, thank you very much for taking the time today. Hey, Merry Christmas to everybody and uh, and safe travels for those that are out traveling. And, uh, and hey, just please know this. We're going to keep fighting for the American taxpayer. And uh, we are uh, you've got a group of us out here in Washington. We're very eager to get back in the majority, but we have to use that majority for for the right things. And and uh, and we're hopeful that we're going to be able to do that. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you, my friend. Uh, a Merry Christmas to you. He's the craziest part about this Sam Bankman Freed thing. He's out four million dollars, uh, four million dollar home. I guess that's on the line or part of it, at least. He's just hanging out mom and dad's house. It's like Christmas vacation for him. It's Chevy Chase, Christmas vacation. He's going to do some sledding later on or what? I don't know, but that's, this guy's out. He's just, I mean, you're talking about the crypto comment and how many people lost it all, right? Because of this guy. And yet people that just took like a tour, they took a walk. The grandmas that took a walk through the Capitol, uh, they're still locked up in, uh, in, in jail cells in Washington, D.C. in dungeons. It's just nuts, but it's all part of, what we're seeing is sort of double, well, the double standards that we continue to deal with. Barkley in for back today in the Glenn Beck program. Quick break. We'll talk to you coming up to a triple eight seven two seven B E C K Beck. That's triple eight seven two seven Beck. Back after this on the Glenn Beck program. This is the Glenn Beck program. Four thousand flights at least already canceled. Lots of snow, high winds, freezing rain throughout the country, sub-zero temperatures, power outages. Fox News has got this bug that tells you how many people are without power throughout the country in different places. You know, watching all of this, but I th I think it's interesting to note this. Of course, they'll they'll say it's climate change. It's not global warming anymore. Can't say that because this is not. It's not very warm. In fact, where I'm at right now, I'm looking at a balmy seven. And I think even folks like South of me are, 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 even, are, are even colder. So we can't say it's global, we can't say it's global warm anymore, but they've gone throughout the entire, you know, back in the 70s, they, they called this, what, the coming global ice age. Just this thing about the weather, it just changes. Now, whether you want to say that the climate is always changing, in fact, it looks like it, it might be. That that's the case, many uh, would say. Of course, we're supposed to trust the science, right? The experts and all that. Uh, but only the certain ones. We know the story. Only certain ones. Some some would say the sun is is kind of the uh, big driver of all of this. The sun, believe it or not. But, but but we're told it's your SUV. So don't forget that if you're out and about trying to get your Christmas presents and get everything, you know, picked up today. Don't you know, your SUV. Don't drive that. You're just going to make things worse. You're going to make it worse. Uh, lots to discuss. And, of course, always a pleasure in the Glenn Beck program inside. Whether you're warm and cozy, snuggled up by the fire, you're outside working in this thing, keeping everybody on track. We appreciate you and everything you do. Thank you for being here with us today. Let's stay in touch. 
Go to justinbarclay.com, B-A-R-C-L-A-Y.com, and reach out. We can connect. And check theblaze.com for all of the latest updates because, you know, the news never stops. We wishing you the best, whether you're sticking with us or that's it for you. Back next down on the Glenn Beck Program. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Justin Barkley in for Glenn Beck today on the Glenn Beck program as we are full-blown in the season. We're watching the storm throughout the country, making its way mostly to the East Coast right now. I got to tell you, we're hearing a lot about the impact of this storm. I've I've got some things I want to share about it as well, but a story out of my, my own backyard that I just, I've been hearing a lot about, Christians Under Fire. And it's not just Christians, it's folks of all faith. Faith under fire itself. I want you to hear about this couple that's going through it right now, how they're facing it. I think there's a there's a lesson in it. Share their story and more coming up after this on the Glenn Beck Program. So they're saying uh, today thousands of flights canceled already, and I'm sure yeah, this is going to be an issue for travel. Uh, folks without power in states all across the country, we'll, we'll talk about some of that coming up and what the storm actually looks like. And my, my view of it from where I sit in Michigan, which is very cold and very snowy nevertheless, but we'll, we'll talk about it all coming up, the impact. And, uh, and what you, you, you may not be hearing or seeing behind the scenes of everything that's breathlessly reported on television right now because, you know, everything's a big emergency. Everything's a crisis. And believe it or not, yes, everything we do have a lot of crises going on one after the other. Justin Barkley in for Glenn Beck. We'll try to make sense of it all this morning. You want to stay in contact with me, justinbarclay.com, B-A-R-C-L-A-Y.com. But I'd love to hear from you, so send me a message there on my website, or you can call 888-727-BECK, 888-727-BECK. I'd like to put a couple of more uh, phone calls on the air today, just as we get a little closer to the holiday season, wrap things up with a bang. But first, I want to tell you about a couple who have been through it. They um, are, are folks who, entrepreneurs, decided they were going to start their own business, a couple of faith, and uh, that business just happened to be a wedding venue. Uh, Nick and Hannah Natalie on the phone with us right now. How are you guys? You're very good. How are you? Merry Christmas to you. I, I, your story is really fascinating. You, you both worked in the industry. I guess, Nick, you were... Uh, in the food, kind of a, as a chef, and then uh, Hannah, you were a photographer. Is that right? That's right. Yep. Yep. 
So you guys did these things before, and, and, and I guess you get married, and you decide somewhere down the line that you've got a dream, which is opening up a, a, a venue, and you happen upon a church, a beautiful church that needed a ton of work. What year was it that you guys made decide to make this leap and, and get into that church and start the, the process of, of really renovating this thing and, and cleaning it up? Yeah, so we we found this space in 2018, the beginning of 18, and um, it took us only just, I think, about three or four months to get in the building, see it with a realtor, purchase it. Um, it was fast. We just knew when we saw it and we got in it, it was the one that we wanted, um, despite the state that it was in. And yeah, from there, it was a four-year journey to get open just this summer in June of 22. You had COVID. You had all kinds of stuff that you guys went through. But you persevered, and you said, we're going to get open. But, you know, uh, uh, most folks, when they get open, they're probably feeling some sort of relief. And, oh, my goodness, here we go. You're probably hoping to feel that way, too, until, I mean, it really hit the fan. And your faith has come under fire because you, you sort of mentioned that uh, it was going to be how you do business now, I, I I understand that sort of the way the world works now, the way culture is. They, uh, they don't mind you have your faith, they'll tell you, but just as long as you keep that private. You're not allowed to talk about it. You're not allowed to practice it uh, in public, uh, apparently. And that's, that's what you guys found because you've uh, been under attack by a, a mob of, uh, of the cancel culture folks. Tell us a little bit about what happened to you and um, and when it, it, it all started. Yeah, well, going into the first year of business, we were hoping to get open in February. <clears throat> because of construction and everything, we didn't get open until June, late June. Mm-hmm. And we had 30 weddings booked for, you know, within a five-month span. So we were really excited about that. Off to a great start. Um, and then 13 days after we opened... We had someone reach out, ask ask us if we um, host LGBTQ weddings. And with Nick and I and our faith, um, it was just something that we felt so strongly about to hold to our values as we open this business. And, you know, we're here to serve the Lord. We're here to serve Jesus. We're not here to serve the people. And so it, it was just, you know, we couldn't we just couldn't do that. Like our hearts would not be able to, you know, continue with that kind of business and teach our kids one way at home and then run our business a different way. Like this is just, we're all in for Jesus. And and that's no matter what we do in life, that's how we're going to run it. And so we responded honestly that way. And that was on June 30. And um, that person that asked screenshotted uh, that conversation that I had with her and shared it all over her Instagram. And by the morning, it had just spread like wildfire. And it was, I mean, it was everywhere. The hate just, I mean, and, and from there on out, like, it's been just hate. They just think we hate people. And that is not the case at all. They're just painting this picture that we are the most evil, hateful people. And, you know, Yeah, like I said, that's that's not the case. We want to celebrate love and and the way God intended love to be celebrated. And 
um, just this covenant between a man and a woman and God. And so that's kind of where we're at today. Um, <clears throat> we haven't booked really much in, since since we came out with our stance. Nick, I want to ask you a little bit about what has happened and the attacks that have come. And you, you guys aren't looking to discriminate against anyone. You're just looking to conduct business uh, the way your faith, in accordance with your faith. Um, and you, you've been attacked. It, it seems like this made the news. Uh, you've been attacked online, and that's caused people to decide they're not going to come to your venue. They're not going to... Um, have weddings or events there but it really also has i think showed you quite a bit about who you are and who god is throughout the whole process yeah um you know i think one of the hardest walks that you can have is um you know being humble and submitting to god's plan and um that that can be very difficult for everybody um it's it's been extremely difficult for me um, as a man, we tend to think that we can just fix it ourselves and put it in our control and we'll just take care of it type mentality. And um, it's, it's been a lot of our prayers lately <clears throat> has been, you know, God, what do you want with the space? What are you trying to teach us through this? Why are we going through this? Um, despite the outcome. I mean, we have to be very realistic in our financial state that this might not be happening and we might be having to close our doors at some point. And that's maybe what God wants. Um, and he wants to teach us that standing for him and fighting for him was more of what he wanted us to go through and for people to see, um, you know, we've got a great support group through church, through my men's group, through friends, through family. And I think people keep telling us that is we don't know what, the purpose of this is probably until it's all over and maybe years down the road, we won't know what, what his intentions were. Um, and that's, that's difficult because like you said, we're entrepreneurs, we opened a business, we, we have all these, you know, projections and, and grandiose visions of what our business is going to be. And then this has really halted that and, and made us stop and say, okay, Lord, what do you want with us and with this space? Well, let me ask you, because I know you guys have a lot on the line. Anytime you have to open a business or you you, you, you put a lot on the line, um, what do you stand to lose if this doesn't work? Um, well, <clears throat> we can say, you know, it's, it's a multi-million dollar project. It's, it's over seven figures. Um, and, and it's through an SBA loan. Um, and, you know, that's, it's a lot of money for us that would really put us, well, obviously put us out of business, closing the doors and, um, and it's our livelihood. Yeah. So like, so that's gone. That's it. Yeah, pretty much. You know, I I understand that you have you've kind of faced this reality. Um, there's a gifts and go set up to to help these folks uh, out. By, by the way, um, I want to talk about the the attacks that that, that have been made um, and how you've handled them because I think that more than anything that has given you. In fact, Nick, you told me last night when we were talking about this that you you have uh, been able to 
have some really good conversations with people one-on-one. I think there's a difference. When we get into groups of people, we get this mob mentality um, that that can take place. But one-on-one, we've kind of lost that. Whether it's social media or some of the things that we see nowadays, this mob mentality takes over. What are some of the attacks that have happened that have come your way, some of the things that you've heard, and then how, how have you countered them and, and been able to have good conversations with people and maybe be a shining example of, of, uh, of, of your faith in that process. Yeah. Um, you know, most, most of what we've received has been on social media and it's, you know, it's anywhere from threats to your business threats to your livelihood. Um, people have made comments about comments on pictures of me with my children calling me a groomer. Um, Hannah has received phone calls that are just, I can't say it on live radio, I assume, Mm -hmm. Uh, just some nasty stuff, Uh, you know, wishing she be barren for the rest of her life. Mm. Uh, People were making false inquiries for events at our space online. Um, Some of them would put, you know, the event type, child sacrifice, uh, guest count, 666. Um, The person who's hosting the event is Satan. Um, Comments about things that Jesus could do with his male appendages uh, to himself. Just crazy. Like, you read it and you're like, "How, how do we go from we believe marriage to be a man and woman to death threats, pedophilia, uh, you know, child sacrifices. Someone called my mom. Somehow they got her number, left a voicemail on her phone, berating her for raising me. Um, how have you? you know, how have? How have you countered this? I don't want to say fought back because I think you've not fought in the ways that you probably want to at some time. <laughs> the ways that yeah. some might think about it. But how have you countered some of this? Honestly, through community. Um, our church, our, our pastor, um, my men's group has been great. Um, I think what I said to you last night was, yeah, I'm, I'm a rather large, bald white man with a beard, which is basically the antichrist in this society. And, you know, I think there would be a stereotype to how I would, how I would respond based on how I look and, everybody's just told me, wouldn't it be amazing for you to just shine God's light and not respond with hate and, you know, try to speak love into the situation. And I think that's what I've tried to do anytime we've had media approach us or, um, you know, I have had conversations with people um, with the opposing view. Once a couple at a wedding that we were hosting and it was, those are the best conversations you could have because you're not out to change someone's opinion or, or belief. You're just voicing the depth of your belief versus a tagline on social media or the news, right? Homophobic couple opens wedding venue. No, that's not us. And when you actually get to have a conversation with people and say, this is what we believe. And this is why we're running our business this way. It doesn't have to result in all of this that's going on. I want to ask you about legal issues. We got to take a quick break though, because you've you've come across some of those as well. Um, you're under fire there. This couple is in Michigan. This Grand Rapids couple, 
um, you can help them. We'll tell you how, and maybe they can help you when it comes to fighting back and finding out where that line is. Because, folks, this is not the only incidence. You're going to have to figure out where your line is and whether or not you intend to stand in the future. Um, we're seeing faith under fire in a lot of different ways. We'll continue this conversation right after this. Justin Barkley in for Glenn today on the Glenn Beck Program. Talking with Nick and Hannah Natalie right now on the Glenn Beck Program. They're a couple who started a wedding venue. And as they started to get going, somebody inquired about a same-sex marriage. They said because of their faith, they just can't participate in that. They're not homophobic, but they say they have Christian business values, and their faith now is, is under fire. You guys actually, uh, Nick and Hannah, you've 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 had some legal issues. The the city has an ordinance um, that apparently has come up into the discussion here. You guys have gone to court on this, but actually, the news on this uh, looks to be pretty good so far. You guys have yet to have your your actual court date play out but what you're hearing is pretty encouraging um but th- this is something i think a lot of folks are, are are facing when it comes to the the christian businesses especially with this new law that's been passed so whether they're going to stand or not so why don't i ask you this how how did you make that decision and what would you say to others because i think we're moving into a time where we're going to have to make tough decisions where is our red line? Where where do we draw that line in the sand? What What is it that, that the point that we decide we're going to stand at, whether it's in our faith or whatever it might be, in our families, in our work, whatever it might be? How did you guys figure that out? Yeah. Um, so I guess I would, <clears throat> I would start with the answer now and go back to when it happened. Um, once you make the stand and you go through the fire, it literally is like gas on a fire. It, there's a huge ignition of, you know, again, social media, hatred, just slander, all these things. And you're like, oh, my gosh, why did we just make <laughs> make this decision? Like, this is terrible. And then it goes away enough with words and slander and that petty stuff. And then you start to realize why you made a stand. Um, I would rather, and we have said this to each other, we'd rather look back and let's say our business has to close. And that's unfortunate. We'd rather look back, show our family, show our children that we we made a stand Mm -hmm. for exactly what we believe in no matter the outcome, because we made the decision for God, not for us, not for our flesh, not for anything about our culture, our society. It was, you know what? We believe that marriage is between a man and a woman, and we're going to stand on that. And so what I would just tell people is there is that moment where you're like, oh, I could, I could just, it doesn't really bother me right now, or it's not, it doesn't affect my life. Man, the longer you go saying that, the harder it is to stand once you get to a point where you realize it is something that's going to affect you. Got to take a break here, Nick and Hannah. I appreciate you joining us, the owners of the Broadway Avenue. We'd like to help them out. 
I put the link to the Gives and Go at Mr. Justin Barkley over on Twitter. We'll talk more about this. Your faith is under fire, folks. You're going to be the tested. Glenn Beck Program. On the cusp of Christmas, our faith is under fire. It's Justin Barkley in for Glenn today on the Glenn Beck program. And you know, listen, I'd like to, we will, I will discuss good news, of course, and more in moments. Uh, but I think we, it's, 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 uh, it's important that we're realistic as well and that we talk about some of the things that, uh, that aren't fun to face. Uh, but particularly as these these folks, this couple here in Michigan, this on this wedding venue, the Natalies, they face a fight. They've made a decision. They decided where the line is in the sand for them. Of course, the reason I bring this up is because we're all going to have to do that. At some point, we all are going to have to make that decision. We're all going to face a time. We're going to our faith. Something's going to be called into question, and it's best if we decide now. Have those conversations with our families, in fact. Where we're going to be and why. Now, I just gave out, they have a give, send, go. What I really like about this is the Christian company, I think, that uh, it's like the, the alternative GoFundMe. They have a give, send, go set up to help with any legal or any uh, business expenses that may come up uh, as they fight this fight. On, uh, on uh, my Twitter, I put it up at at Mr. Justin Barkley. So you can go on over and you can help these folks. But one of the things I just realized is, is yes, you can give and, and folks are coming in to, to donate here and there. And I know that they'll appreciate that. But one of the things I thought was the most interesting on this gifts and go, they have a, they have a prayer button. You can click for prayer requests. You, you can tell, let the, the, the folks know that you're praying for them. How great is that? I put the link to that of it. Mr. Justin Barclay over on Twitter. It's no surprise, but I, I just saw this again, along with the, uh, this, this marriage act that just passed. There's these, this is not going to be the only time you see this. In fact, there's a story out of uh, the UK. That's, that's really concerning. A woman arrested what she was doing outside of an abortion clinic. And you would think when you hear this story, It's right out of a dystopian horror novel. Uh, Phil's on the line. Let me grab a quick phone call. You can join us at 888-727-BECK. That's 888-727-BECK. Phil is up. Uh, Phil, you're on the Glenn Beck program. Appreciate you joining us. Good morning, Justin. <clears throat> Merry Christmas and happy Hanukkah. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. One question. One question. Do these despicable people ever target a mosque? and ask them to have an LGBTQ2 wedding, or do they go to a halal bakery or and have them bake a cake? Is this ever brought up? Do they ever target them? Like, why don't they just let them run their business? You know, it's a good question. Christians seem to be, uh, for the most part, the ones under uh, attack and the targets. But uh, And thank you for your call, Phil. But I will tell you this. It's not only Christians. This new this new marriage act will 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 target all of these folks. In fact, we have seen people of all different faiths 
come together, in, including uh, Muslims, Christians, Jews, and Muslims, to fight against, in, uh, in particular here in Michigan, in Dearborn, against some of these crazy pornographic books that were set in the school libraries. So I think folks of all walks uh, of life, different faiths, uh, this is an opportunity for us to come together and know that our faith is, because it's, it's, it's not just, it is predominantly Christian, but it's not just Christian. You see, the way things work for Marxists it is that the, the government and whoever's control of it, see, they, they have to be the only source of, of everything. I mean, and in Christians in particular, but anyone of any faith, you have a higher power you believe in. Just like me. Day after the election, a lot of folks were upset and Folks on the left said, I'm going to turn him on, see what he does. And then if he's crying, I'm sure he's going to be blathering into the microphone. And I wasn't. I mean, I know this surprised a lot of people, but you know, it's it's because my hope, my joy, my peace, it doesn't come from any man, especially not one in office, no politician, nobody serving in D.C. or anywhere else. My hope, my faith, my joy, it doesn't come from any of that comes from a much bigger place this is why faith is is going to continue to be under attack and it's the why we've got to decide right here and now how it is that we are going to stand or fall over in the uk a woman was arrested for silently praying Police officer asked, are you praying? Okay, thank you. Um, before I ask any questions about what's going on today, I have to caution you, which is just your rights, which is you do not have to say anything. It may harm your defense if you do not mention one question. Something that you later on in court, anything you send me to give you. What are you here for today? Uh, physically, I'm just standing here. <laughs> what are you here for today, he says. But she says, well, you know, physically, I'm just, I'm just standing here. Oh, that's not good enough. That's not good enough. He'll continue to ask her questions here. What are you here for today? Physically, I'm just standing here. Okay. Why here of all places? I know you don't live nearby. But this is an abortion center. Okay. That's why you're standing here. Is you standing here part of the protest? No. Just one woman out on a sidewalk. One woman out on a sidewalk. Looks like it's a. It's it's a it's an any any random neighborhood. But she just happens to be outside of an abortion center. She's standing there, peacefully, quietly, silently praying. <sighs> praying for those innocent lives. What happens next? Police officer. Continues to question her. Are you praying? I might be praying in my head. She says, I might be praying in my head, but not out loud. Why does that matter? Well, I'll ask you once more. Will you voluntarily come with us now to the police station for me to ask you some questions? They want to ask her some questions because she's praying. Today and other days where there are allegations that you've broken public spaces. 
See, there's allegations that she's broken some sort of order, order over there. The public uh, protected spaces. Protected spaces. Apparently, you're not... You're not allowed to stand somewhere and pray. If I've got a choice, then no. Okay, well then, you're under arrest. I can't suspicion of failing to comply with the public spaces protection order. Under arrest. Praying outside of an abortion clinic. You're... This is... This actually happened. I'm not... This isn't a... So, over in the UK... Antisocial behaviour crime and policing act 2014. The Antisocial Behaviour Act of whatever he said. Of course, you again, you do not have to say anything... You may harm your defence if you do not mention one question, some of which are later on in court, and you do say maybe give any rules. Do you understand the caution? I do, yes. Um, your arrest is necessary in order to prompt an effective investigation into the offence. What that means is so that I can ask you some questions, and also to protect uh, vulnerable people, mainly service users in the clinic. Okay? So, so she's being arrested mainly to protect vulnerable people. I guess people going into side, inside the, the, the abortion center there in the UK. And not to mention the vulnerable lives that will be murdered as they're inside. I know this isn't, uh, this isn't uh, necessarily the, the jolly, the, the jolly information that you may want to hear today, but Folks, I do believe it's a wake-up call, and it's one that we all need to hear. I know Glenn's talked about this quite extensively, what it might look like to stand, how your faith might be tested. It's best to make these decisions now because we don't know necessarily what's coming, although we do know that inevitably we will have to make some tough decisions. best to make them now so that in the future when those times do get tough you can lean into that peace have the courage to walk out what you've already predetermined Merry Christmas Back with more after this on the Glenn Beck Program. Stay informed. Sign up for the free newsletter today at glennbeck.com. report here folks we have a bit of an update uh a couple of things actually we did some good news and some strange news in the rona report first of all you know anthony fauci is still i thought this guy had retired but the high priest of health <laughs> saint anthony of wuhan mr booster he's still out there saying it's it's nice some people idolize. He likes to be idolized and put up on a pedestal, apparently. It's nice that some people, you know, idolize me and put me up on a pedestal, but I don't get impressed by that. Oh, I sure, sure you don't. Never have. Yeah, uh, but you know what he likes? 
He likes that funding for the gain of function research that he gets to do. But I feel like there's a lot. There's a lot of that actually. I think in the omnibus, they're still funding that stuff. Big news out of Florida: the Florida Supreme Court has approved Ron DeSantis' request to a grand jury on COVID-19 jabs on the Fauci ouchie. The Florida Supreme Court on Thursday ruling a grand jury requested by Florida Republican Governor Ron DeSantis to investigate the manufacturers of the jabs. This is after all the sudden and unexpected, you know, the sudden and unexpected side effects. We no side effects. What are you talking about? Everything's safe and effective. We don't have any issues with anything. No, please don't ask questions. That would be whatever you do. Don't ask questions. <laughs> that would be too, too much. Hey, it turns out that exercise, get a load of this, exercise lowers your risk of, uh, of death and severe illness. Now, isn't that something when it comes to the Rona? I, I, who would have, who would have thought, who would have begun to even, but to believe that this was possibility I, I would have known. I would have thunk it. So much for closing gyms. Because <laughs> you, you remember there's a guy in, uh, I think his name's Ian. Was it New Jersey? The guy under fire. And they, they came after his bank account. Can't remember. They tried to throw the guy in jail, all this, for keeping his gym open. You know, through this all, we, we never heard a couple of very common sense and very simple solutions like, hey, you might want to move a little bit more, get some sunshine, take some vitamins, eat a little bit better. No, we never heard that. We have just over and over again been beat the drum, you know, over our head. This, this, well, there's only one solution. You must be mandated to take this one solution. You can't ask questions. You can't talk about it. You can't. None of that. But it turns out this, this story is legit. Regular exercise protects, it protects against fatal COVID, according to this new study. Men and women who worked out at least 30 minutes most days were about four times more likely to survive than inactive people. According to an eye-opening study, of, they call it an eye-opening study in the Post. An eye-opening study! Exercise and coronavirus outcomes among almost 200,000 adults in Southern California. Study found that exercise in almost any amount, really, reduced people's risk for a severe coronavirus infection, even people who worked out for as little as 11 minutes a week. Yes, 11 minutes a week. Now, I don't necessarily know what that counts, like 11 minutes a week. How, what would that be? Some sort of, you do some crunches, some push-ups, an 11-minute walk. I think most folks could get 11 minutes a week. And I don't know if it's heart rate is up a certain amount or what that looks like exactly. But can you imagine? Can you imagine? So finally, we have, you know, this is unthinkable. We have had some studies that show us <sighs> mask mandates are not coming back, even though COVID is. That's the headline. A triple threat, they call it a triple threat of COVID flu and RSV pushing hospitals to the brink. Several state health officials asking people to mask up, but not requiring it. It's a triple-demic. 
It's a triple-demic, folks. Be afraid. Be very, very afraid. And U.S. life expectancy continued to fall last year. I wonder what's causing that. Any any ideas? Americans born in 2021 could expect to live just 76.4 years, according to government data released yesterday. Drop from 77 in 2020. I wonder what could possibly be causing some of that. It's just strange, some of these stories, isn't it? But Governor DeSantis down in Florida said, hey, you know what? We're going to get down to the bottom of some of this stuff. And their Supreme Court allowing him to do that. Some good news. Don't lose hope, folks. The fight continues. Matter of fact, we continue. If you stick with us for the next hour, we'll be here. If not, always great to podcast glennbeck.com. The Glenn Beck Program. Christmas, we're just, you know, just days away, celebrating the birth of Jesus. And faith is a major part of our lives here in America, a major part of the founding of this country. No matter what anyone tries to tell you, we're going to share some things about Christmas, and particularly the Christmas story that may just strengthen your faith coming up in moments. Justin Barkley in for Glenn today. This is the Glenn Beck Program. It's the reason for the season. And we can't deny it. Hey, listen, if uh, if you're just going through the motions this Christmas, you may, I think, use a little jolt in your faith. And maybe a reminder of why we celebrate. And hopefully that'll, that'll come into play here. Justin Barkley in for Glenn today in the Glenn Beck program. You can connect with me. Uh, everywhere that I'm at. Go to justinbarclay.com, B-A-R-C-L-A-Y, justinbarclay.com. Send me a message there as well. Father Dwight Longenecker joins us right now. He's a priest and the author of The Secret of the Bethlehem Shepherds and The Mystery of the Magi, a couple of great books for this time of year. In fact, I'm reading The Secret of the Bethlehem Shepherds right now. Father, thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate you doing this. Thanks for the invitation. Merry Christmas. So, you know, we hear the word the term fake news quite a bit when it comes to things that we hear in the news and of course politics and everything else these days but uh turns out it may not necessarily be intentional in some ways but there are some things that uh, may not necessarily be as true as it maybe we heard traditionally through the years in christmas stories and you did a little research project uh, a few years back when you were able to 
kind of step away on a sabbatical and and look into some of the stories that we hear in the Bible, particularly around Jesus' birth in the Gospels. And I wanted to give you a chance to talk a little bit about that um, and share what you found, in fact. So thank you for joining us and thank you for writing about it. I'm enjoying the book. It's It, it really is, um, well, it's interesting to see some of the, uh, the, tr- the, the true story behind uh, the birth of Christ. Now, uh, we're told a lot of things that... It, I think folks look at even sometimes look at some of these stories like they're fairy tales, but you've got some actual evidence that points to uh, not just Christ, but his, his divine birth. Yeah. We have to remember that these stories come to us from 2000 through 2000 years of tradition. And through those 2000 years, it's not only 2000 years of tradition, but it comes to us through its own little pilgrimage or journey from the ancient middle East uh, through uh, the Dark Ages, the Middle Ages of Europe, and then Northern Europe uh, and England, and eventually to the New World, uh, our culture today. And so here in the 21st century, we're dealing with very ancient stories which have a long uh, history of their own. And all, as it came along on that journey to us, it accumulated lots of extra baggage, uh, extra traditions, beautiful traditions, and beautiful interpretations of the story which we now accept as part of the story and part of the whole thing. So I try to go back and uh, sort of trim away all those extra accretions and all that extra stuff to see what the Gospels actually say and how that fits with the geography and the archaeology and the politics of the time. (laughs) So what would be some of the things that you found to be the most interesting uh, along your journey in in the research and and writing the book, The Secret of the Bethlehem uh, Shepherds? Well, one of the things to remember also is that in our age, we are really lucky because we um, live in an age when through archaeology and forensics and textual evidence, we know more about the ancient Middle East and the time of the New Testament than they have, than our parents and grandparents and great-grandparents ever did. So this is an exciting time to be alive, to, uh, to, to experience all of these discoveries. But to get to, to answer your question, one of the things, for instance, is there was no room for them in the inn. And of course, when we hear that, most of us in our mind will um, conjure up the idea of some kind of a medieval European tavern with a grumpy innkeeper out on the doorstep with his, his, you know, drying his hands on a tea towel and saying, I'm sorry, there's no room for you here. You'll have to go to the stable over there across the hillside. Well, actually, um, the word that's translated as in in our English translations is the Greek word kataluma which basically means guest room. And I discovered that the uh, houses in Bethlehem at the time uh, would, be, would have been very simple one- or two-room homes with a guest room built on either on the roof or off to the side. Because the Middle Easterners have a very strong tradition of hospitality uh, and also especially hospitality for family members. So the idea that Mary and Joseph uh, and baby Jesus were homeless on Christmas night is something which we've sort of appropriated over the centuries and added in our own age because we have a natural compassion for homeless people and a good compassion for immigrants and so forth. Um, But most certainly, Joseph, the Holy Family, would have gone to Bethlehem, uh, Joseph's hometown, and gone to a relative's home and found that there was no room in their guest room, so therefore uh, they were ushered to the stable. Now, these these little simple homes would have been built in front of a cave, uh, and if you go to the Holy Land today, you can still see these uh, uh, cave homes. 
Uh, and the cave was reserved for storage. It was like the back room. It was reserved for storage and, and stabling the animals. So Jesus would not have been born in a drafty stable somewhere, but in a, uh, a cave that was used as a stable, which was kind of like the back room of the family home. Now, what about this, the, the, the manger and, and the story about being put in the manger? Obviously, the, 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 the sheep playing a role here, and, and we see the animals nativity scene, and the, the wise men and all of that. Any, any of that? Well, yeah, again, the, the visions we have, the, the, the images we have of the nativity, which have come to us over these 2,000 years, are, are beautiful. They come to us from Renaissance paintings and Victorian paintings and modern-day paintings and, and stories and so forth. But these are imaginative works about what would have happened based on the, on the simple historic tale. There's archaeological evidence that there was, uh, in between the two-roomed house and the stable behind it, there would have been a kind of half wall, uh, which had a carved out place where the animals were fed. Uh, and this manger bed would have been where the baby Jesus would have been, would have been laid. Mm. One of the most interesting pieces of, of your work and the, the research that you did, I think was talking about the story, uh, about how the shepherds were, were out in the field. And of course, uh, what, maybe the story of, of why that was is so important, the lamb of God, um, all of that, and you found something uh, to be a little, I think, a little bit interesting about the truth about what what was really happening in those fields, and I think the truth kind of confirms some of this story. Yeah, there is a kind of uh, preaching point which has been which circulates at this time of year, in which preachers like to say, you know, the shepherds were sacred shepherds, and they were raising the lambs for sacrifice in the temple. And when the baby lamb would be born, it would be wrapped up in strips of cloths and laid in a feeding trough to be pre protected until the priest could come and investigate the lamb to see if it was worthy for sacrifice. Therefore, when the angel said, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and laying in a manger, and this shall be a sign unto you, that the shepherds would have known they were going to find the true lamb of God. Well, that is a beautiful preaching point, but I researched this very much in depth over the last over the two months I was in Jerusalem and Bethlehem, and I could not find any evidence for that uh, story. However, there was a tiny scrap of evidence which points in that direction, and that is that in the Mishnah, which is a Jewish collection of rubrics and rules for worship and life, uh, there is a reference that the animals that were raised between Jerusalem, in the hills between Jerusalem and Bethlehem, and Bethlehem is just six miles from Jerusalem, were to be used for temple sacrifice. So a lot of scholars do believe that the shepherds of Bethlehem were actually sacred shepherds, and that they were raising the thousands and thousands of lambs and sheep and goats, which would have been used for sacrifice in the temple. So these really uh, uh, were in an area that uh, that that really would have had some major significance there. Yeah, I, and I think that significance is there, especially when you look at the, the, the history of uh, the Jews and the Old Testament of shepherds and lambs for sacrifice. Father Abraham was a shepherd. Moses was a shepherd. David, King David was a shepherd boy in the same hills of Bethlehem. And this area of the Hebron Valley was where those patriarchs eventually settled and where David was brought up and where he served and he looked after the flocks. So the whole symbolism and the history of shepherds uh, and a close connection with um, 
God himself, who in the Old Testament is reckoned to be the good shepherd. All of this uh, sort of plays a part in the story of the shepherds in Bethlehem. Father Dwight Longenecker is with us right now. He's written the book, The Secret of the Bethlehem Shepherds. Um, I'm really enjoying your book, Father. You actually you went there, you you dove in, and I think there's a lot that, that comes to mind when we, a people of faith, that maybe you go uh, to church or maybe you read about or hear about these stories and it just becomes part of your tradition, whatever it is when you see the Christmas story. Um, but to actually go to where this all took place, it becomes a lot more real. You start to get your hands in the dirt, so to speak. You start to really see some of the stories come to life in a lot of ways. What has that done for your faith? Well, I think one of the problems with uh, Christianity in the modern world today is that for about a century now, scholars have been debunking the historical aspect of the Gospels and basically saying, you know, it's all a tissue of fairy tales and imaginations of the early church. These things didn't happen, especially the supernatural things didn't happen. And I like to go back and say, well, let's read the text exactly for what it is and try to strip away a lot of our own imaginations of what that looked like or what that was like and try to imagine what it was really like at the time, at the place, in order to understand more deeply and more fully the reality of the historical aspects of the Gospels. If folks want to get your books and maybe lean into a little bit more, I'm enjoying it this time of year. I think it's it's something we all ought to do, uh, particularly uh, the, the secret of the Bethlehem shepherds uh, and the book about the Magi as well. Where can they go? Where can they find out more? Well, I have a blog. It's called it's at DwightLongenecker.com. And just today I've blogged on the question, how do we know that Jesus was born in Bethlehem? So people like to, might like to go and pick up some of those extra readings there. The blog is free. Uh, there's other content which is behind a paywall, but they're welcome to come and look there at my books as well, DwightLongenecker.com. All right, so don't give it away, but how do we know? <laughs> well, very quickly, I don't know how much time we have, but basically um, the shepherds we know from Luke's Gospel passed on the story of what happened and, and what they experienced that night. The locals there in Bethlehem remembered the actual location of Jesus' birth, and in the year 135, really just about 100 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus, the Emperor Hadrian uh, built a temple on the site of where the birth of Jesus was already being venerated by early, the early Christian Church. So this is very early, the year 135. He built a temple to Adonis on that location, um, and then... 200 years later, when the Empress Helena, the, white, the mother of the Emperor Constantine, who became a Christian, comes to the Holy Land to find the sacred sites, that location of the Temple of Adonis, built by the Emperor Hadrian, was still there. And the locals said, yes, that emperor 200 years ago built the pagan temple on the site of Jesus' birth. So in trying to wipe out Christianity, he actually preserved the site for posterity. And the Church hmm. of the Nativity in Bethlehem today is built on that same site. Fascinating stuff, and, a, and a definitely a little something different for this time of year. Father, thank you so much for joining us today. Wish you a Merry Christmas. Thanks for the invitation. God bless. Father Dwight Longenecker, and of course more at DwightLongenecker.com. Justin Barkley, like I said, a little something different because tis the season. Just days away here as we celebrate Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. Back right after this on the Glenn Beck Program. Still wait on that vote in the house today. Uh, 
seen anything moving just yet for that $1.7 trillion, and that's just kind of like the estimate. Uh, omnibus bill. We'll keep you up to date on that. Should we see something uh, come to life on it? We'll give you the, uh, the heads up. Looks like that's that's a done deal. Uh, but we'll give you the uh, the scoop, the details when that does happen. Triple eight seven two seven B E C K is the number. That's eight 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 seven two seven Beck. You can also send me a message if you like. JustinBarclay.com. Click on that uh, link there at the uh, the uh, the website JustinBarclay.com. Love to. The chat with you. Hear from you. I'd like to fit a few more in before we're done today. Just just phone calls, talking to you, give you a chance to sound off. And, of course, as we get a little bit closer to uh, well, Christmas and the holidays, the news doesn't stop. Used to be years ago, you would, you would have a little bit of a break and things would be kind of really slowing down. But this year, the last couple of years, really, what I've noticed, there is no stop. Never a dull moment. It's always like drinking from a fire hose. We do our best to stay on top of it. Of course, you're getting it at 24-7 at theblaze.com. And, of course, uh, you know we fill in paying attention to things for you. And we're going to have those conversations about some of the issues that, uh, you know, that, that aren't taking a rest. But I got to warn you, there's a, bit of a, um, there's a bit of an issue with that, too. You're constantly... Paying attention to everything. You're constantly trying to stay up to date with it all. You're, you're, it's, it's, you just never do it. You never can. It's never enough. And let me tell you, I've experienced this in my own life. You really can't. You can't keep up with it all. It's something that you will chase and you will never be able to actually catch up with. So I'm going to give you some tips just, just out of my own toolbox for making sure that you're able to kind of turn it off every now and then. Well, some, I'm not telling you to stick your head in the sand necessarily. That's not what I mean. Ignore it all. I think it's important that we do stay on top of the things that are going on in our world. Of course, that is important. I do believe that there are things that deserve more of our attention, deserve a greater uh, focus. I'm going to talk about that coming up here in just a little bit, too. But I want to give you some some ideas, some things that uh, that you may may actually come in handy over the next uh, uh, a few days, at the very least. 888-727-BECK-B-E-C-K is the number. Yeah, we, we, never, we never get an escape from it. Part of it by design. If you look at the crisis, one after the other, it's designed to keep you in a constant and perpetual state of reaction. What's next? Well, look at the border. Well, look at the, what, what, what they're doing in Arizona. Oh, my gosh, the election. Now they're going to sign this on the books. You see, it's one thing after another. And the, and the reason why this can be so damaging is that, you know, you're constantly going from one thing to the other and you're distracted. You're pulled in a million different places. And the things that matter most never get the full attention that they deserve. When you're pulled in so many different directions, you can't focus on the things that matter most. You can't really get anything done. So you end up with a lot of activity, but not enough accomplishment. At least 
not really any meaningful or effective accomplishment. And this is something that I think the Republican Party, but not just that, the American people are feeling, experiencing, seeing on a daily basis. How do you find the calm in the chaos? How do you clear your head so that you can focus on the things that matter most? Because I'll tell you, it's going to be in the coming days more and more important. If we really do want to take our country back, we got to learn a couple of things. I'll share how it's done as we put the wraps on this edition coming up in moments of the Glenn Beck Program. The Glenn Beck Program. Back in for Glenn. Justin Barclay on the Glenn Beck Program. You can connect with me at Justin Barclay, B-A-R-C-L-A-Y.com. All over the place. Don't forget to check out theblaze.com. They're still running. News still going 24-7. Of course, they keep up with all of it at theblaze.com. And if you miss any of this program or any this week, there's been some stellar programs this week. You can always catch up with the podcast at glennbeck.com. Wanted to take a couple of quick phone calls and get those in because, you know, tis the season. We're almost... We're almost there for Christmas, and i get you in if I can. 888-727-BECK, B-E-C-K, 888-727-BECK. We'll deal with uh, Porter in South Carolina. Porter, you're up first on the Glenn Beck program. How are you? Good morning. How are you? Loving the program. Missing Thanks, Glenn. Best part of the day, actually. Yeah. <laughs> hey, for all those people that had to go through that big deal uh, out in Texas where they had a, the power outages and everything's freezing and all, you know it's coming. A little bit of common sense. This is your daddy talking to you. Okay. If you have access to a pair of uh, vice grip pliers mm-hmm. or even a street key, go out to your water meter, pull the lid off of it, turn it off at the street. Go out to your Lowest water spigot in the house, crack it open, let it drain out. You might also want to pull out the, uh, you know, open the spigots in your house. Drain the water out of your pipes. If your house is going to get, you know, below 32 degrees inside, you don't have heat, you don't have, uh, you know, a lot of open uh, insulation or any way to keep it, you know, warm, just get the water out of the pipes as much as you can. Porter, I appreciate yeah, that. You, you're, you're right. This stuff will freeze over. And then they're not built for that in, in some place, especially, especially Texas. Appreciate that. This old house brought to you by Porter. Jeff in Georgia. Jeff, how are you? I appreciate it. I love talking to you guys. 888-727-BECK is the number. How are you, Jeff? Hey, I am fine. How are you doing? Wonderful. Thank you. Good, good. Yeah, I was telling the screener there that I heard at the top of the hour uh, some kind of bill got passed. Um, it wasn't the omnibus bill, some other bill, but in it was a provision that Republicans had pushed for mm-hmm. was that the military COVID mandate was dropped. Yeah. And I just want to know all the folks that were pushed out of the military, are they going to reinstate them? Cause I worked with a lady and her son had 12 years in straight yeah. out of high school. Um, and they just pushed him out last month. 
That's the Defense uh, Authorization Act. They, they they put that through. McCarthy was able to get that done, and and uh, looks like some some of the good news there. Jeff, amen. They they ought to get those guys back in, reinstate them, and here's what I'll add with back pay. Jeff and Georgia, appreciate you calling in. That is some good news. And in Michigan, up next on the Glenn Beck program with some good news on your end. Anne, how are you? I'm great. Thank you. Listening to the program, loving it in this storm. Wow, a bright light. Yeah, I've got good news for everybody. If you're wondering what to do about your faith, we can do something. Holland, Michigan's Mayor Nathan Bach, with pressure from the Ottawa County Patriots, emails and calls, has decided to declare April Faith, F-A-I-T-H, month. He has declared June as Pride Month, and now we have this on our calendar. Now, we're going to have to rise up and meet and do things for that month. But on the other hand, I want you out there to know, get a hold of your uh, municipality government, tell them this is what you want. You're the people and do it politely, kindly, but with pressure. And um, here we go. 2023 Holland, Michigan is going to experience express and um, exercise their faith right here in their city. Um, well, I'm going to see it. <laughs> that's great news, and thank you for the call. Uh, you know, uh, th- th- this is a good point. We, we this is uh, you get people that think a lot of times, and, and part of this is, is we're meant to feel this way, folks. They want you to feel like there's nothing you can do. They want you to feel hopeless. They want you to feel helpless. They want you to feel like it just doesn't matter. Don't try and fight city hall. You're never going to get it. That's that's the point of all this. And, it, you know, and, and let's be honest, I get it. Some of this, I feel pretty, you know, down sometimes, too. But we've always got to remember that no matter what, we've got to continue to fight. you got to keep it up. Those people that, uh, that, that made that happen, that put the pressure on to get that done. I mean, I know it seems like a small thing. You might think, well, you, we've got big problems here. But all the politics is local. All of these things that we face on a daily basis, and there's a, a, a storm of chaos. I mean, crises after crisis, one after the other, all of it. What's happening down at the border to this inflation, the omnibus they're going to pass, are going to make things even worse, and of course, the election issues, all of it, every single bit. There's, I mean, we could, we could name piece after piece, and we still wouldn't have enough time and go through an entire three-hour show and still still couldn't get done your faith is under attack all these different things but it's designed to make you feel like you're you know you're you're overwhelmed on all sides it's designed to make you feel like there's absolutely nothing that you can do this is this is part of the problem but i'm here to tell you there's just another example there of people standing up, deciding where they're going to stand firm, how they're going to fight back, and doing it, I think, in a, in a way uh, in which not only gets results, you know, it's effective, but it gives you a little glimmer of what's possible. So, so congratulations to those folks who continue to fight back. Don't lose hope. I'll give you a little bit of how I I think we need to learn to fight back, and 
And it might be counterintuitive, in fact. It might go a little bit against the grain. In fact, it might challenge some of the conventional wisdom of how we fight. You know, how you're supposed to fight. When we come back, quick break, back with you and some tips after this on the Glenn Beck Program. The Glenn Beck Program. Merry Christmas. On the Glenn Beck Program, it's Justin Barkley in for Beck today. Uh, you know, I want to give you some tips, some things of how we can stay fresh in the fight. Because, you know, there there is a, I mean, the, the truth is, when, when we face the fight that we face every day uh, in this country for our kids, for the soul of this nation, you know, it can become overwhelming. There is, there is quite a bit. And I hear it, you know, I... I I do a show here in, in West Michigan and Grand Rapids. W-O-O-D. Wood Radio. And there's Radio Wood 1300 106.9 FM. And I will tell you, this has been a very tough year for a lot of folks. With a very contentious election, uh, specifically here in Michigan. But all throughout the country, the midterms were really uh, tough. There were some glimmers of hope. There were some good pieces of news but i think a lot of folks still finding you know where was that red wave the red tsunami we heard about things like that finding some challenging uh times in a lot of it and and, and let's be honest there you, you got to be realistic we got problems folks and i believe we ought to face those problems i believe we ought to go right through them but i also want to tell you that one of the ways i think we often overlook in battle is this is going to be completely I think antithetical the way some folks might be thinking but is to make sure that you're well rested to make sure that you don't lose hope over these next coming days you might have an opportunity here or there to take a bit of a break and we ought to and like I said earlier, the news never stops nowadays. It's like drinking from a fire hose. And in some days, a hydrant. And many times people have told me when I bring that up, it says, no, it's it's more like a sewage pipe. <laughs> you know, now that you mention it, yeah, especially some of these stories. <sighs> it can be. But the news never stops. The cycle just continues and I believe a lot of it, most of it, is really meant to to overwhelm us. To, to, to really keep us from being able to focus. It's meant to distract us. The fog of war. What they call that. Well, what happens if you get bogged down? You get demoralized. You, you're no good. You can't fight. You can't see the target. You don't know what you're facing. And if it's coming from all angles, you can feel like there's no hope. 
So what I suggest is taking some time. I wrote a book a couple of years back. It's called Good News, Hope, and Encouragement for Trying Times. And in the book, well, part of it for me was writing about my my first daughter and her story. And she was born around this time. In fact, uh, December 6, 2020. She was born at 27 weeks. She was born early. The doctor said, oh my gosh, we don't know what's going to happen. Your daughter is coming. My wife's water broke. And we, uh, we didn't know what to expect. The doctor said they came in and told us all kinds of number of different things that could possibly happen and go wrong. And of course, even in the middle of all that, I had a bit of a peace to know that everything was going to work out. I don't know if I can really explain all of that. I do know now where it came from. It's the peace that follows me to this day, even in these times. But it's a piece that I, I like to share with others if I can. I like to give it to you. But I can't just hand it over. You have to go looking for it yourself. I share in that book part of my process. Ah, one of the things that I do, and I won't, I won't bore you with everything, but one of the things that I try to do is make sure that I clear a little bit of time on my calendar to clear my head. And you may be saying, but I don't have time for that. You just don't understand. I'm overwhelmed. I got so much going on. I don't. I just don't have time to sit down and clear my calendar and do nothing. Well, you need it more than me, then. But every morning, just a little bit of time to set your day. Um, your GPS, right? So that you know where you're going and. You're rooted in a solid foundation. I read a devotion. I spend time reading my Bible. I pray. I talk to God. I try to listen. I give him a little bit of time the first of my day. Now, I'm always perfect with this, and some days are better than other. In fact, I got a little time off next week. I'm going to spend some time doing more of that. <laughs> I think we overlook how important rest is. You know, God commanded it. The seventh day, even he rested when he made all of this. And he didn't have to. I mean, he's God. So <laughs> there must be more to that. Maybe a set of instructions for us. You know, we're human after all. We're frail. We're fragile. As much as we like to think we're strong, we can't do it all alone. The good news is you don't have to. Take some time and think about what matters most. Over the next couple of days, maybe you start to think about 
some of the things that are going well already. I like to make a list in the morning. Three things that are are great. Three things that are are really, you know, I'm grateful for. Something I've been blessed with. My health, my children, whatever it might be. That'll be enough to set you up, I think, on, on the right path to making a difference. We need you in the fight. We need you well-rested so that you continue. Folks, I, I don't ever want to see you give up. I don't ever want to give up. We need each other. And we need to recognize where our strength and our hope comes from. It is always an honor and a pleasure filling in for Glenn. Thanks to the folks back in Dallas who do such an amazing job. I got to tell you, they make this look and sound so easy. They're fantastic. Wishing you the best no matter where you are. More at JustinBarclay.com this Christmas season. Merry Christmas to all. God bless. This is the Glenn Beck Program.